Welcome to the Alcohol Freedom Podcast, where we are bringing you a modern and judgment-free conversation about how we relate to our drinking habits. I'm Michelle Kapler, and you've got episode 32. Hello, my friends. I have a treat for you today. I'm going to be sharing my conversation with Lindsay Sutherland Bowl, who is an alcohol-free mama and the founder of She Walks Canada among other incredible things. Lindsay and I talk about sobriety, addiction, recovery, and living an alcohol-free life in the context of being a woman. We also talk about the importance of community and of surrounding yourself with people who are just doing what you're doing and who get it, and people who can be an example of what's possible. So before I go into our conversation, I want to share Lindsay's professional bio. Lindsay Sutherland Bowl is an empowerment life and purpose coach, executive responsible for relationship development at Urban Outline. She's the podcast host and producer of the COVID Chronicles Canada and the Shame Gree Law podcast, an amateur ultra distance athlete, stage and TV actor and opera singer, and now the founder of She Walks Canada, the national movement to engage women seeking an alcohol reduced or alcohol free life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Lindsay. All right. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here with us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Michelle. Me too. I've been wanting to talk to you for such a long time. I've been seeing you in our local Rebel Mamas Facebook group talking about your incredible journey. And I, every time I see your post, I just think I really need to be friends with her. So I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> and I'm glad we're becoming friends. <laughs> Me too. It's so good. So I've already read your professional bio in the introduction, but if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've been and how you got to where you're going and what you do, that would be great. Sure. So I'm Lindsay and I'm the founder of She Walks Canada, the national movement to engage and empower women in and seeking recovery from alcohol use disorder, or just to totally take that down a notch. It's a movement to empower women who want to live alcohol-reduced or alcohol-free lives in an alcohol-drenched society. And you and I see this all the time, particularly around moms, is, uh, you know, the mommy wine culture. Uh, This incredible pressure uh, that women feel uh, trying to keep up with what we have been conditioned uh, to believe to be what we should aspire. Like It just takes so many words to say all the things that we're trying to do that don't actually mean anything to us. You know, like it's no wonder that there's so many women that are choosing um, to self-medicate in a time where showing up as yourself just isn't okay. I hear that. Yeah. And how did you find that that was showing up in your life? Because uh, just for the listeners, you yourself are a non-drinker, correct? Yes. Yeah. And how long have you been a non-drinker for? So my last drink was January 23rd, 2020. So just before, you know, COVID invaded our lives. <laughs> um, and I was a problematic drinker for a good decade. And there were several bottoms that I hit, but you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what what was your rock bottom? And and my answer is I didn't really have a rock bottom. I had a rock enough. Like I, I just had enough of underperforming in my life. Um, looking around my life and saying, This this is it. I worked this hard for this. I wasn't happy. I was I was miserable, sort of, you know. I still had my baby weight and I didn't identify. I think that's what it was, is I didn't identify with the reflection I saw in the mirror and I didn't identify with how I was showing up in the world. And I 
I think that's, that's not the, of course, you have so many, you know, revelations that as you continue on the sober journey, I certainly didn't know this at the time. But when I was actively drinking, I was so, well, I was loyal to one thing. We're all loyal to one thing all the time. And when I was drinking, I was most loyal to status. How did I show up in the world? How did other people perceive me as showing up in the world? How, what did I want people to think of me showing? Like, at what point do I care about what my contributions are to the people in my lives, my, in my life, in my community? I was so busy being busy, being preoccupied with perception that I had no idea of uh, who I was completely lost my identity. And how common is that story? Because I think that especially us as women and people who are socialized as women, we're essentially conditioned to believe that our inherent worth comes from what other people think of us, particularly how we physically appear on the outside and how attractive we are to the opposite sex. So it makes so much sense that we're always looking outside of ourselves for that validation. And of course, you can't find real validation, real, true, lasting validation by looking outside of yourself. And so it makes sense that we also need to reach for external things to help us through that experience instead of looking internally. I want to add to that. I totally agree with what you're saying. And I want to add to that, that we are so conditioned to believe that we need to not upset the people around us. Oh, yeah. And I'm speaking specifically about our partners. Yep, a hundred percent. I have <laughs> totally been there. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of listeners out there going, "Oh my gosh, you just said that." Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really it, it's how we've been positioned in society for hundreds and hundreds of years, and that our opinions aren't really relevant or valid. And our job is to just to make the men's lives easier. And so we don't ask for what we want in life. We don't ask for what we want in bed. We don't ask for what we want in so many areas. And of course, that creates this cognitive dissonance that a lot of us choose to medicate through with alcohol. I know that was definitely the case for me. Oh, totally. I remember I would, knowing I was knowing I was going into a conversation with certain male individuals, knowing what the topic of conversation was, was going to be, I would research mm. online, find, I would find more resources than my opinion uh, to go into these conversations, because then I could say things like the research suggests, data tells us all this kind of thing. And I'm like, this is total bullshit, because I shouldn't know what man out there researches before he has a conversation with a woman, mm -hmm. you know, just to be sure that his opinion is just as valid as the woman's. And I just said, fuck this shit. I'm going to stop saying that I need to re research says data suggests we have learned in recent. No, I'm telling you, as a matter of fact, I'm educated in this arena. I have experience in this arena. I am a leader in this arena. I know what I'm talking about. And I just do not have those conversations with those people anymore. They can go and bug somebody else, but it sure as hell not going to be me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So I want to hear all about your organization, She Walks Canada. Tell me about the inception of that. Tell me about how that started. Tell me all about what goes on there. Thank you. So She Walks Canada, as I mentioned before, is the national movement to help us figure out how to live in an alcohol-drenched world. And it's essentially a reflection of what worked for me in my recovery journey. 
And when I say recovery, just blanket term, what I mean by that is getting past needing to self-medicate with booze. That's what I'm talking about when I say recovery. And so for me, I tried six times to get sober before the seventh one stuck. And so I knew I had a problem. And and I love that we're talking about this because I think the discussion around what is an alcoholic is completely changing. And the fact that this is it. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't drink anymore, but I don't really look that different than I did before. My re- like my resume reads well, my education reads well, um, my background reads well, my alcoholism didn't. And so, so many people didn't understand or recognize or know or were shocked by the fact that I had this drinking problem. And what that looked like in my life is underperforming in every single avenue of my life. I screwed up my career. I screwed up my friendships. I screwed up a marriage. I screwed up my dental health. I screwed up, you know, all these other things. And I just got to a place where I was like, if I don't stop doing this, either I'm going to hurt somebody or it's going to kill me. Like what how how, what right Mm -hmm. and so what was different this time that stuck is that I was beginning to find a collection of women who were not drinking and whether they were in sobriety for years before me or days before me or were struggling along with me didn't matter we all kind of had the same umbrella goal so there's that and this idea of walking and when I went on my when I was sober from my first day, January 24th, 2020, I went on a walk and I, it was two kilometers. You know, I thought I was such a hero because I had gone so far. And, um, and I just remember being outside and being able to process some of my feelings and am I going to make it stick this time? And that looming anxiety, even about that, just being outside made me feel better. And so over time, the longer I was sober, the longer I could walk, the stronger my bonds became with these women all over North America who have so much dirt on me because I would show up to meetings and, you know, (laughs) unpack my shame bags like everybody else. And it was in those meetings that I could say things to people that I just couldn't say to people in my life because they have a vested interest. They have opinions. They have judgments. And I didn't want to hear any of that. I wanted to be around people that I didn't have to um, justify. I didn't have to explain. I just felt heard and seen for the first time in my life. And so She Walks Canada is a Canadian movement to support women who are trying to navigate the spectrum of alcohol use disorder. Um, How do we socialize? How do we live our lives? How do we cope in this tremendous pressure we feel um, that's happening in our in our world right how do we do all these things and not harm ourselves further that's what she walks Canada is all about amazing and tell me a little bit about the container for that is it weekly meetings that your members attend is it online is it in person um, and tell me about the walking part as well Right. And so we offer quite a few things on She Walks Canada. There are eight support groups uh, calls per week, and they're all offered on Zoom. And you can show up however you want, camera on, camera off, light on, flame off. Um, The majority of our participants, um, after about five minutes, are all camera on, off, mic on, you know, because you just recognize that everybody there is is in the same boat. Um, And they're all facilitated by uh, certified life and recovery coaches in most of the time zones across Canada in both French and English. So it's accessible to to women anywhere. Um, And the topics that we talk about could be anything, but it's related to sobriety. So things like um, for for people who are sober curious, not ready to make a change yet, um, how do I tell my friends? 
how do I go out on a Friday night with my girlfriends and not drink? How do I, I go to vacation at spring break and go to Mexico. How do I do that? You know, so we have those kinds of conversations. There's the kind of conversations around, I quit drinking. My husband didn't. Our dynamic has changed. I want to rip his face off. What do I do? <laughs> you know? And then there's a the conversation around uh, shame. You know, the first six months for me particularly were very, very difficult having to deal with the poor decisions that I had made in my life because of my drinking. And how do I, how do we uh, deal with shame? How do we, how do we, how do we get past some Those are the kinds of things we talk about. So that's the, that's the group meetings. Um, we have a series called In Conversation where women can join. Um, it's once a month. And it's facilitated by me, but our special guest is somebody who is a specialist in a, in a recovery area. So, for example, this coming week, we have somebody who is a, is a mental health specialist where we'll be talking about many of these issues, actually, that I just mentioned. But the difference between that and a recovery call is that it's actually a dialogue back and forth. So we can get advice specifically about our situation from a specialist, and it doesn't cost anything. And the meetings don't cost anything. Nothing on She Walks Canada costs anything. There's also a, a robust motivation page with podcast books, all this kind of stuff to help us navigate uh, early or sobriety in general. But there's, I found books really helpful of women who had forged <laughs> forged the path before me. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of those. And I also have a blog on there, just videos of, of me working through my stuff. And of course, there's the walk, 7,315 kilometer virtual collective cross Canada walk. And I really had hoped that we would get from one side of the country to the other in seven months. And we're going to get there in about eight weeks. Because uh, right now we're at about 70% of the way. So we're here to walk. We are a movement. And so there's a lot of things going on with She Walks Canada. Um, she Walks Canada Canada.com. So check it out. Amazing. So the premise is that women are using this walking to be able to process their own stuff. Am I correct? Yeah. So the movement is, is to prioritize our physical and mental health. And so the mental work is happening in the meetings, in the reading, in the journaling, in the showing up in the conversations, in the showing up in the Facebook group. And then the walking is exactly right is okay. Let's get out there and process, you know, and it's not an active, I know I need to think about this, but of course you're going to think about it when you're out for a walk. And it's just, it's like getting rid of the cobwebs. I love that. And I think it's really interesting to draw attention to the part where it's just for women. I mean, there are other community collectives that you can join, that you can be a part of in your sobriety, wherever you are along that spectrum, whether you're um, you know, fully sober or you're just sober curious. But the fact that it's just for women is kind of unique. I don't think there are a lot of organizations that are women only. So can you tell me a little bit about that piece? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of people who have um, problematic substance use issues, uh, whatever the substance is, pick a poison. And a lot of it stems from issues with men, to be totally honest. And from my experience, there was absolutely no way that I was going to go to a church basement with a bunch of, uh, this was my mind friend, this is what I was saying to myself, there was no way that I was going to go to a church basement and share my shame and unpack my shame and talk about my shame with a bunch of strangers and particularly men and get vulnerable with them. There was absolutely no chance I was going to do that. And what I have come to learn is so many women have traumas associated with men. So can we just remove them from this right now and begin talking about it? Because that's when the healing starts. 
I love that. And again, such an important consideration and probably something that many women don't even see for themselves. But once you're in it and once you're doing it and you see the actual difference that it makes, that can be everything. Oh my God. It's, that's so important that you said that. Thank you. Um, because I, I want to just bring attention to the fact that alcohol use disorder, what they call it now, isn't directly related to how much you drink. It's related to how it impacts your life. Like, for example, you may drink a bottle of wine. I may drink a bottle and a half of wine a night, something like that. But it has perhaps a terrible effect on you or a terrible effect on me and, and on people who's, who we live our lives with. We need to have a greater discussion about how our alcohol use is affecting our lives and the people around us. If, for example... And I talk about this because I'm asked all the time, how much were you drinking? And I never answer that question because I don't want other women to benchmark their problem against mine because my body is my body. Your body is your body, you know, and how we process that is very different. But instead, I'll offer that the way I think about it, there's three levels of addiction and addiction, again, blanket term, dependency, whatever you want to call it. And the first is um, unconscious harm to self. The second is conscious harm to health, unconscious harm to others. And the third is conscious harm to others. And so the first level is like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to drink tonight, but I'm totally fine. I can meet all my deadlines. I can parent. I can do everything. That's level one. Number two is conscious harm to self, unconscious harm to others. Okay, I know I know this is what I should be doing. I know this affects my sleep. I know this affects my productivity. I know this affects how I wake up in the morning. I know this. I've got a big presentation in the morning, but I'm not hurting anybody else. And then the third level is, okay, I got a problem and I don't care. I need the wine. And so it doesn't mean, like, I remember I used to say to myself, well, I can't have that big of a problem because I haven't got a DUI yet. I actually said that. And I've learned that so hard a woman. I've definitely had those statements in my mind as well. Um, I, I used to say to myself, well, I know that this isn't good, but it's not bad enough to need to go to meetings and declare that I have a disease and be powerless because I'm not stealing from my family and wrapping my car around a tree and getting my kids taken away from me. It's not that bad, but I still, it's kind of one of those self-identifying things where if you decide that it's a problem in your life, then it's a problem in your life and it doesn't really matter how it compares to others. Well, no. And see, this is where this whole idea about gray area drinkers comes in because what are we waiting for? Are we are we legitimately waiting to wrap a car around a pole? Are we waiting to have our kids taken away from us? Are we waiting to end our marriage? Are we is that what we're waiting for? Yeah. That's a really good question. Why don't we not wait? Yeah. Why don't we just say, okay, I know that I'm drinking too much and it's not working for me. Why don't I go and talk to a bunch of other women who are just like me going Oh shit, <laughs> what happened? You know? And then just get over it together. Like legit. That's all it is. We don't need a diagnosis. We don't need a prescription. We don't need a treatment plan. We don't, I mean, there's some people who do need that. I'm not taking away from that experience. But what I am saying is that there's a lot to be gained from just support alone. And I'm so glad that you mentioned about it. I think you had mentioned the word empowerment or something like that, because She Walks Canada is not about what do I have to take away from my life? What do I have to not do anymore? What do I have to sacrifice? She Walks Canada is about what do I get back? What do I get to do now? What can I, what am I now empowered to do? There is nobody that I have met 
who has stopped drinking for more than six months, because that first couple months is kind of tricky, who has quit drinking for any real amount of time, who's saying, oh, geez, I wish I didn't do that. A hundred percent. hundred percent. It's amazing what we're capable of. Like my life is in no way recognizable as to what it was before. And like, I was an international opera singer on, you know, the Canadian state, um, Canadian state in Europe. And like, I, I did a series in television, you know, like I had some interesting life experiences and none of that compares to the life that I have now. And I talk about it like I, I, I talk about it like this. Sobriety to me is like, I believe that I, I am the winning scratch and win ticket and I'm just scratching the foil off the top and I know I'm the winning ticket. So I've got, and, I'm, and all I've done is just scratch the foil surface. I feel the same way, but I love that analogy. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, I keep telling myself, this is just the beginning of what I'm going to do. And I was totally being held back by the choices I was making with my drinking. I couldn't have imagined how amazing and open and wonderful my life could be without the drinking. Yeah. I think my greatest takeaway is that I have so I have so much possibility and capacity way beyond what I thought was available to me. I thought I was going to make, you know, I thought I was going to have an impact on a, on a, on a world stage as sitting Mozart. Like, you know, I look back at that and say, that's beautiful. And yay to the people who are authentically in line to do that. But that was not my story. That was not my path. You know, and if the women that are out there that are listening to this saying, yeah, I know I got to stop, but I don't, I'm scared of what my life will look like without alcohol because my friends drink my husband drinks i drink because i need a frigging break i am scared of what my life will look like without that and to those women i say whoa i hear you i feel you and so do the millions of other women who are in that boat but it gets so much better so much better and i think that that's the beauty with being able to because I think I remember you just now saying that you can come to these meetings and not off the hop swear off alcohol forever. You can come and you can hang out and you can hear people's stories and you can just be in that space for a while and hang out with people who are doing it in a way that is, you know, that makes sense to you. And I found that that was a really important part of my journey. There weren't organizations like She Walks Canada when I was not drinking. Well, actually, it might have been in, in its infancy when I was quitting, but I didn't know about it. So my source of that was like you, it was to find books and read stories of people who had done it in kind of an unconventional way. Because from that, I took the ability to give myself permission to do it in a way that wasn't prescribed by society. That was, you know, quote, the right way to do it. Yeah, that I could do in a, in in a way that worked for me, and so I think even just coming and hanging out in a space with other women who are doing it in that way can be everything. Totally, and actually, I'm I'm facilitating a call tonight, and if the same people show up that normally show up on Monday nights, we absolutely have women that are still drinking, and we have women that are two to five years in recovery. Like it's it really is all over the map. And I remember when I first was sober curious for six months before I stopped drinking, I was going to meetings and I was and I refer to myself as the asshole in the group because I was the one that was still drinking and I'd be talking about it. But then again, at the time I was a bitter drunk. I didn't know this, but I was legit a bitter drunk. I was never drunk at the at the meetings, but I 
I was just, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to quit. I didn't want my life to change. I didn't want, I didn't want to stop partying. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have my, I didn't want to be the sober girl in the room that kills the buzz. I didn't want to be all that, but I didn't consider what I did want to be. And I think in these meetings, when you hear the stories of the women who have had the courage to drop the bottle in an alcohol drenched world, you begin to understand what's possible. And that's enough for many women at the beginning. It certainly was for me. A hundred percent. I would say that that's very much my story as well. Just hearing that there's a possibility can change everything. Mm -hmm. But also knowing that just because you are going to a meeting or even having that conversation in your own head doesn't mean that you have to immediately quit and become a different person. It's okay to just, you know, hang out there for a while before you do anything. Yeah. And you don't have to tell anybody. Right. You, don't have to, <laughs> you know, I didn't tell my husband for the first 10 days. I mean, I think he noticed that the alcohol consumption was down in the house, but, and I was a bit irritable and grumpy, but, but you know, like you don't have to tell anybody. You don't, you don't have to do anything. You certainly don't have to call yourself an alcoholic and you never have to call yourself an alcoholic. Maybe you're not an alcoholic. Right. You know, like the, it, the issue here is not, are you an alcoholic? The issue is, is your drinking habits having a negative effect in any aspect? And if they are, let's just talk about it. Simple. You know, and then we just move on and then just find a way to either, some people can moderate. I am not one of those people. I'm a zero or 20 kind of girl. And that's okay. And some people can moderate and that's okay. But let's just have the conversation about why it is that we feel we need to to self-medicate. Because there's, there's other ways to do it and live a life that doesn't have a negative consequence. I love that. So if people want to come and check it out and join, how do they find you? Yeah, so go to shewalkscanada.com and on there you can go to the virtual meetings page where you can choose your facilitator, click on the link and we'll see you there. You can uh, go to the walk page where you can join join the walk and that can be either somebody who just wants to support the movement, somebody who wants to donate to the movement because as I said, the, the service is completely free and will remain that way and so we do rely on donors for support. Uh, so you can join the walk as a participant donor or uh, a supporter. There's a lot of men who are walking for their wives and there's some men that are walking for their daughters too. So it's, there are some good guys out there for sure. Amazing. I'll make sure that I put all of that into the show notes so people can find it easily. And I guess my last question for you is any advice for people who are kind of in that stage where they're, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, they're, they're probably questioning their drinking in some capacity. So any advice for them? I think um, the most important thing is that if you're questioning your drinking, you're normal. If you don't know what to do, you're normal. If you wake up in the morning with a hangover too often, you're normal. If you're not ready to quit right now, you're normal. If you are ready to quit right now, you're normal. If all of this stuff going on in the world right now is too much, you're normal. And so I want to share that you're not alone. There are millions of women that are here that are willing to support you. And we'll just get to get through it together. We'll walk through it together. I love that. 
Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and your wisdom. It was such a pleasure to talk with you today. I'm so glad that we got to spend time together. (laughs) Me too. And we'll have you back again because we have to keep having this conversation. We have to keep sharing these things. And I'm sure we'll have updates for the people that want to know what we're doing with our amazing, big, beautiful lives. Beautiful. I love that.